Well, hello. My name is Dr. Mary Lou Frank, and it's a real pleasure to talk with you today about a topic in psychology. And I'm doing this for the Sumbhav Initiative. Um, what I thought I'd talk about today is how people change. Now, this is a core question for individuals in psychology because psychologists want to understand how people change so they can help them if they have problems. People come into therapy or into counseling because they want to change something in their lives. So the question of how people change is really core. And it's, it's a question that's been, been, been asked by psychologists for many, many years. And what I'd like to talk about today is how some of the different people have approached it and how we're still learning about it. There are a lot of different ways people change. And that's what psychologists have learned. So let's begin. The first person to talk about and answer this question about change was Sigmund Freud. And he looked at change as something that was going to take a long time. His theory was that people develop neuroses or psychoses because of issues that many times happened in their childhood and that they carry that with them and it's going to take a while for them to uncover all the issues that are there and to work through those. He felt that that happiness isn't something that's ready-made. You're going to have to work at it. It comes from our own actions and it's it's going to take time to really be able to to work through any issues you might have. You all probably remember that he developed psychoanalysis, which was the talking the original talking cure where people would come in and they would talk about their issues. What you may not know is that when you know the the traditional method for for psycho, psychoanalysis was that people would come in four or five times a week for at least an hour each day, and that by doing that they would be able to get through through to their unconscious so they could understand what roadblocks were causing them to continue to have problems, and that they could learn how to change those problems through developing insight. It might be through dreams, it might be through the analysis itself, but whatever it was, it was going to take a while, and it may take a year to two years of this intensive work to really be able to uncover what the issues were and to have a more functional life, to be able to make changes. Now that was the way psychoanalysis was, and any of you who have experienced the briefer kind of psychoanalysis that goes on today know that it doesn't it doesn't go on that many days a week and it doesn't usually go on for that that duration and it may be much briefer but the whole concept that these are issues that came came that are a part of us from a very early age depending on the psychoanalytic theory maybe as early as is birth, or some people say before we're born, we can develop, you know, we can be traumatized, and that that might carry with us until until our birth. Um, but from very early months, and that those those issues stay with us and cause problems until we're able to work through them, 
And although we may be able to work through them much quicker than what Freud thought, it's still going to be an intensive process. And we may be, have to come in and out of therapy several times until we make the changes we want to live more functional lives. Freud said, one day in retrospect, the years of struggle will strike you as the most beautiful. And, and that even though we've struggled, we'll come through it and we can make those changes. So change is possible, it just takes time. If you look at Freud as really representing at Freud and the, the psychoanalysts and psychodynamic theorists that followed him as the first force in psychology, then the second force was really behaviorism. And there we look at people like Skinner, B.F. Skinner and, and John Watson as being the early pioneers. And the behavioral model really looked at the psychoanalysts as being as being off. It isn't an issue with with what happened when you were an infant. Really, you don't have to unlearn it and deal with unconscious because they didn't even believe the unconscious existed. What they did believe is that we were a product of our learning. And that's what the behaviorists gave us. They said, we can learn anything pretty quickly and we can unlearn it pretty quickly. They believed the environment shapes our actions. And it's all a matter of learning. If you were to to read any of B.F. Skinner's early works or read about Walden too, which was an experiment he did in education, you know that he believed through changing the stimuluses and responses, individuals can change their behavior. And you can change children just by by reinforcing what you want them to repeat and by either withdrawing the reinforcement or by punishing uh, what you don't want repeated. And it was through a series of different learning paradigms that you could you could increase or extinguish any behavior. Really people, they you know, the behaviorists didn't even think that there was a cognitive process because we were all instinctual. And just like dogs could be trained, so could humans. Pavlov, who was a Russian psychologist and biologist, he showed that through training of his dogs and, you know, eliciting salivation at the sound of a bell. So the early behaviorists felt that change was really pretty easy. It was all learning. And we, we do know that there, there's some truth in that because most of us know that if you put put either a credit card or or a coin in a vending machine, you're going to get something out of it. That means if the machine isn't broken. Uh, and that we've learned that so much that we we know that we get re rewarded and we get what we want whenever we do those activities, like, you know, paying for it. Um, it also is the behavioral model was used to explain why it's so easy for people to get into gambling because it's an intermittent reinforcement schedule which is this which yields the strongest learning and in gambling you only get reinforced occasionally but the payoff is 
is good enough that people are willing to continue to keep gambling in hopes that at some point that payoff, that payday comes. So behaviorists felt learning was the key to change. Now, growing from the behaviorists, cognitive theorists also felt that change was possible, and they said certainly our behaviors can get reinforced, but even more critical was the fact we could change due to changing our thoughts. And Aaron Beck, who passed away just this last this last week, felt that that really if we changed our thoughts, then we'd change our lives. And that change came just was was really a result of a cognitive process. And Beck even said one time, he said, cognitive therapy seeks to relieve psychological tensions by correcting misconceptions and self-signals, and by correcting erroneous beliefs. By doing that, we can put an end to excessive reactions. We can change our lives just by changing the way we think. So if we think that we are, we are, we are, we are feeling, we feel, we think we are feeling depressed or not not are feeling maybe anxious we just need to stop feeling that way if we are starting to be hard on ourselves and think we're not good enough why we just need to stop those thoughts those are irrational thoughts and beck and his daughter after him wrote a great deal uh, of research and conducted a lot of experiments showing that changing thoughts can really help change the way people feel and there's still some people who who question that, but the, a majority of research has really shown that the cognitions are a route to changing our behaviors and changing our feelings. So within this second force of psychology, change comes as a result of changing our behaviors or changing our thoughts. Now, there are other psychologists who started making up what they consider to be the third force of psychology, or the force of psychology says that, that says that change comes in another way. And Carl Rogers and Abraham Maslow were two of the individuals who early on said, we think the behaviorists and the, and the, and the psychoanalysts really they missed something because some people change because other people believe in them or maybe they start learning to believe in themselves but it's a process that involves other people and our change comes because of our interactions and our support from other people that's the key to change. The humanists really added to this whole paradigm. Carl Rogers once said that the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I change. 
as an early therapist, he kept thinking, how can I change someone? And then as he as he grew older, he said, it's not up to me to change or to even help them change. But what I can do is I can provide a relationship which this person can use for their own personal growth. In other words, by me listening to them and learning how to support them, they can learn to trust and believe in themselves and they will make the changes. And that will probably give them the support they need to be able to make changes later on in their lives. So to the early humanist, to Carl Rogers, change was important, but it was something you helped a person learn to do for themselves. It wasn't the result of some learning that you were going to put them through. You weren't going to reinforce or punish them. You weren't going to make them change their thoughts. And you weren't going to take them through an in-depth exploration of their unconscious to look at inner conflicts. You were going to learn, you were going to help them believe in themselves and listen to them and that that would be enough to help them change. Maslow added to that by saying what's necessary to change a person is to help them change their own awareness of themselves. It's the same thing. They looked at change in a much simpler way, but it really put all the respect for change onto the individual. Now the second part of that third force of psychology was offered by the existentialists. And Viktor Frankl is probably the best example of an existential theorist. And if you haven't read his work, Man's Search for Meaning, that he wrote after coming through a concentration camp in the Holocaust, you should, because it's really interesting. This is a man who lost almost all of his family, and he talks about how he came through that experience in a really positive way. And he felt that certainly the humanists would, would be right. He said, you know, learning, having somebody with you in that journey is important. But what's really important is that we start realizing we have the ability within each of us to choose. And it's that ability to choose and face our fears that's going to allow us to change and have whatever kind of life we want to have. He said, when we're no longer able to change a situation, we're challenged to change ourselves. He was a really remarkable individual because he came through losing everything in his life, feeling he had everything to gain. Certainly he recognized the losses he had had, but he said all they did was help him realize he could choose to go on and that there was something powerful in that choice. Probably the favorite, my favorite quote he said is, between stimulus and response, there's a space. 
In that space is our power to choose our response, and in our response lies our growth and our freedom. Because change to the existential humanists was really in our own hands, and that we had the ability, even when we were faced with insurmountable challenges, to get some help, but to realize it was up to us. And we could, even in the most desperate moments, realize we had the ability and the responsibility, actually, to be able to to make our choices and to move on positively from there. Now, certainly he and as well as the exist, as as other existentialists like Erwin Yalom and and the and the humanists believe that therapy could help you on that, and that sometimes if people get so stuck and mired in depression and anxiety and in a dark place, they needed that relationship to help them move beyond that. But for all of the individuals in the third force, to them, how do we change? The ultimate answer is it it rests within each of us. And that we can, through a a supportive, guiding relationship with a counselor or trained therapist, learn to get through that and make whatever changes we wanted. Now, there are other, other approaches to change that have developed. Certainly, approaches that include more of a spiritual element, There are approaches that use other techniques. There are approaches that use a real neuroscience approach that looks at at, at brain stimulation and and, and, magnetic techniques that have been used to help change parts of the brain that have, have been damaged or aren't working properly. So there's lots of other techniques, but what I wanted to go through today was the three core areas that really were advanced in psychology that answered the question, how do people change? And it came first from Freud, who said it came from a lot of introspection and a lot of intense work, working through our unconscious conflicts. It came from Skinner and Watson and Pavlov and and even Bandura, who said it was a, who all said it was a result of conditioning and reinforcement, and maybe even punishment, where we learned it was a learning process. That's how we change. We learn. It's a pr- result of our learning. To the cognitive therapists and theorists who felt it really was. It was learning, but it was learning to change our thoughts that allowed us to change. That's how we change. We change by changing our thinking. And finally, by the existentialists and humanists who said, change lies within each one of us. We just may need a guide, a trained therapist, to help us to learn to respect and know that that we could change ourselves if we learn to trust ourselves and and look at maybe what 
what wasn't working for us so that we can begin trusting and knowing that the answer was within us all the time. Well, these are three, three ways that we can change. And if you're listening to this, know that there are lots of ways, but all of them require working with somebody who's trained, either as a psychotherapist, as a social worker, as a psychiatrist, as a psychologist, and that with their help, change is possible. And the, the newest research is showing there are many, many other avenues that can help us change. And what's amazing is that, that it just starts with each of us saying, I think I don't want things to be the way they are now. And asking that amazing question that's full of promise and hope. And that is, I need some help. Take care of yourselves. I hope this gave you something to think about today. I hope we get a chance to talk again. Talk with you soon. Bye-bye.